Worldwide Vancouver. Pre-game, post-game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to Free Casino Games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pat here with you with the post-game edition of the show, perhaps, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about it last night, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Abbotsford Canucks extended the series with a 3-2 win in the Pacific Division semifinals of the Calder Cup playoffs. And it was a big win for Abbotsford. It looked like it was a rocking atmosphere. Of course, you were down there to uh, bring it all in, J-Pat. So tell us about it. Uh, what was the atmosphere like? What was the hockey like? It was playoff hockey. So I'm sure the people were jacked up there in Abbey. Yeah, I can't tell you about the first five minutes. I missed uh, the first five minutes. <laughs> and you found out about the uh, traffic then. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I documented that on Twitter. I don't want to go down that road. Look, uh, mm-hmm. there was apparently a big accident. Uh, 232nd Street. And this tells you how bad the traffic was that by the time I eventually crept to 232nd, there was no sign of the accident. So it was long gone, but uh, the legacy uh, that left behind. Anyways, it sounded like there was a crash, so people had it way worse than I did. Uh, But yeah, it took a long time to get there. Uh, But I'm glad I went. It was fun. I had forgotten how much fun playoff hockey is. And obviously, we haven't seen any at Rogers Arena in forever. Uh, I did go to a Vancouver Giants playoff game or two back in 2019 when they got on their run that took them to the Western Hockey League final. And that was the Langley Event Center. And, you know, that was a great atmosphere then. This is up a level and a larger facility. Wasn't packed to the rafters, but it was close last night. I don't know what they announced, uh, if like that's considered a sellout. I would think it was awfully close to a sellout. There were a few empty seats, but maybe some of those people were in traffic and just said, no, forget it. I'm not going to make my way. Whatever. Uh, the people that were there, they were into it. Uh, the energy in that building. And again, I love like those smaller rinks. You know, if people haven't been to the Abbotsford Center, a single tier. So there isn't an upper deck. It's just the bowl. And you can feel the energy. And uh, again, a uh, bit of a slow start. Like Abbotsford fell behind one nothing five minutes into the game and not the start you're looking for when you're facing elimination and taking on the best team in the American Hockey League. So credit to Abbotsford on a lot of levels. Like, you know, they gave up the early one, but uh, then they chipped away. They tied the game on a power play midway through the first. They took the lead in the second period and extended that into the third. And I really liked the way they played the final 10 minutes. Again, these are the Calgary Wranglers, top team in the American Hockey League with a chance to advance, to sweep Babby out of the playoffs. I was sure there was going to be this real push to get the job done in three games. And uh, I, that's where, you know, credit to Abbotsford. The Calgary may have upped its game, but I think Abbotsford did as well. And, you know, I talked to Spencer Martin after the game, asked him about that, and he agreed that really in the final 10 minutes, there there wasn't that much sustained calorie pressure. And I thought Abbotsford did a really nice job of just, you know, cleaning the house in front of Martin so that uh, he was able to see the shots that he saw. Uh, and ultimately, they lived to play another day. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was fun in there. I would imagine a Friday night uh, with a chance to, to move on and, and force the thing to the limit. It'll be rocking. Uh, I'm not going to be able to get out there. I got a prior engagement, but I'm telling you right now, if they do get this thing to a Sunday, uh, I will go back. I'll probably leave on Saturday, but uh, I <laughs> I will go back uh, to Abbotsford, and uh, I hope it happens because uh, I'd love to see a deciding game in this series. So you know, playoff hockey, everything's ratcheted up. They were close in those two games at the Saddle Dome, but ultimately fell short in overtime. This time around. Uh, they got it right, and so they will live to fight another day. I just go on to Twitter and get people to give you uh, traffic suggestions for you <laughs> next time you go, right? Because everyone seems to have the answer after the fact for you. Right. But uh, yes. when it when it comes to this game, though, like 
you know, I'm just sitting there taking a look at the box score and looking at who chipped in for Vancouver. I mean, this is three games now where it's been one goal games. Two of them went to overtime. Like, is there like it doesn't seem like there's a huge gap between these two teams, right? And and I can't sit here and tell you that I've watched an yeah. awful lot of the Calgary Wranglers. I've certainly kept a, a close eye on the Abbotsford Canucks. Look, Abby's a really good team. They've got two really good goaltenders. They've got that mix of you know veteran guys that have touched the NHL, but also some younger players that want to get there. You know, in Calgary, the best team all season, and they've. Uh, got their share of guys that have played in the National Hockey League. Walker Dewar was right there till the end with the Calgary Flames. And uh, yeah, I mean, these are just two good teams. So I'm not surprised that the games have been close. And it wouldn't surprise me if Friday was another tight one. Uh, it's playoff hockey. That's kind of what you expect. You know, Abbotsford had done a nice job to extend the lead to 3-1. to one. Kyle Rao got uh, a goal early in the third period. And and then I, I didn't love the 3-2 goal. Like Spetschmark made a couple of breakaway saves. Uh, I think he was named first star in the building. He was. Uh, and that's fine. Like, he was good. He, he was. But I didn't love. And actually, it's funny when you look at I me. Mean, Dustin Wolf, the MVP in the American Hockey League in goal for Calgary, they both get beaten from distance on slap shots in the third period. Goals that you just don't see in the NHL very often. Kind of <laughs> the old Yari Curry coming down the you know slap shot and just let it fly. Uh, usually goalies cover so much of the net these days that those ones don't get in, but uh, one got past Wolf and one got past Spencer Martin. So a bit of a trade-off there. Uh, but otherwise, Spencer Martin, yeah, I mean, he stared down a couple of Flames or uh, Wranglers on, uh, you know, clear-cut breakaway opportunities. And I know that uh, the Abbey Canucks coaching staff doesn't want to be giving up great A's like that, but uh, that's why you've got... You know, goaltenders you trust. And it's going to be really fascinating. We've touched on this before, but it has been this rotation now for the better part of six weeks with Spencer Martin and Arthur Silovs. And generally, playoff time, like win and you're in. But that hasn't been the case for Jeremy Colleton. He wasn't tipping his hand where he was going for Friday night. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. Martin was a winner, keeps the team alive. Uh, but do they come back with Spencer Martin or do they go to Arthur Silovs for a game four on Friday night? So that's among the storylines heading into, uh, you know, it's a day off. I don't know if they're skating, but uh, uh, certainly no game action. So they'll have a chance to rest up and and get back at it on Friday. And then, as I said, if, uh, you know, and Abbotsford's got this belief now and call it and talked about it uh, post game as well in a short series like this one. You know, if you're the lower seed, like you had to plant a seed of doubt. They wanted to do it in Calgary. I think they delivered a message, even though they lost twice, that they were in this fight, forced the Wranglers to overtime. But even though they trailed two to one, all the games in Abbotsford from this point forward, and they got themselves on the board. So now all of a sudden, Calgary had a chance to eliminate, didn't happen. And, you know, one more win. Now they've got to go out and get it. Yep. But one more win and all the pressure. Yep shifts completely over to Calgary. So, you know, there's pressure on both sides. If Abbotsford wants to stay in the series, they have to win. They're in must-win mode. Calgary can afford another loss, but you know full well they want no part of this thing going to a Game 5 on Sunday night out in Abbotsford. So let's see what Friday brings. All right, let's hear from Jeremy Colleton, the head coach, of course, of the Abbotsford Canucks, who just talked about how this playoff pressure, the experience is good for these players. Feels like a big game. And uh, I think that's so important for our players to experience, to to know what it's like to be on on that in that kind of environment. And I thought the atmosphere tonight was just what you it would expect, and it does help. It helps us a lot. Who jumped off the page uh, for Abbotsford for you in this game? Yeah, it, this isn't a disappointment because this is life in minor pro hockey. 
you would have loved this Abbotsford win to have been on the backs of all the Canuck prospects, right? Like you would have loved the the stat sheet to be littered with guys that someday may play for the Vancouver Canucks. That's not necessarily the way it goes. And it didn't go that way for Calgary either. You know, I say Kyle Rao, you know, he's played in the NHL. He's a good pro. He's not a Vancouver Canuck prospect, but he's the kind of guy that you need in the American Hockey League. And he's the kind of guy that coach trusts and leans on. And so, uh, you know, two of the goals, Linus Carlson, who I think someday will probably will play for the Vancouver Canucks, and Christian Willannon, uh, who we know had an incredible season in the American Hockey League level and may be with the big team next year. You know, they scored the first two goals, and then Rao got what turned out to be the game winner. You know, but uh, it was really interesting to me in a tight game down the stretch in the third period. was curious to see sort of who would Jeremy Colton lean on? Who were his go-to guys as they tried to lock this thing down and, and win the hockey game? And so you saw a fair bit of Kyle Rao. You saw Justin Dowling. Uh, you know, you see some of these veteran guys, Matt Alfaro, uh, those types of players. And so, again, not a knock on any of them. They're doing what they can. The coach believes and trusts in them, and they ultimately got it across the finish line last night. So they got the job done. Uh, I thought, for my money, Noah Juleson was the best player on the ice, quite frankly. Huh? I, I really was impressed with him. And I thought he acquitted himself nicely in pinch duty at the NHL level this year when called upon. But like the guy just, he plays so hard at the American League level, finishes every check, and again, call it and talked about him post-game. He plays so hard, so physical. But I mean, it's clean. Like he's, yeah, he hits hard, but you, you, if you can, you could tag every single hit he makes, it's, there's nothing over the line, uh, which is to be honest, an unbelievable skill to have. Um, he doesn't take penalties because he's he's doing everything right. So uh, absolutely has an Im- has an impact on our team. It's too bad they don't have uh, time on ice statistics at the HL level because I'm sure he played half of the third period. It just felt like every other shift, uh, like a lot of coaches call it, tightened his bench, shortened his bench, uh, kind of went down to three lines and, and four defensemen. And uh, I just thought Noah Juleson, to me, uh, looked really, really good last night. What am I missing with Atu Ratu? How come he's not playing right now? Yeah, he's banged up, uh, so wasn't even in the lineup last night uh, playing through something. I talked to uh, a Canuck staffer just to confirm that, you know, it wasn't a healthy scratch. There's no message okay. sending here. Uh, no, he's uh, he's playing through something, so we'll see if he's available to, uh, uh, to the Canucks as this series moves along. But, uh, yeah, when you come back to this idea of, you know, you'd love to see a win on the back of some of the young prospects. Obviously, a guy like Nils Hoaglander in the, the spotlight had the great first round against Bakersfield. Penalties had been the story. Uh, he plays high event hockey. Like, things happen when Hoaglander is out on the ice. And he ended up with assists on the first two goals last night. So, you know, he's on the score sheet. I uh, had a really good chance in the first period set up by Archdeep Baines. And I, I want to get back to Archdeep Baines in a sec. Um but there was a sequence in the second period for Hoaglander that I just thought was wild uh, and wildly entertaining because we know the storyline with all the penalties, the four the other night uh, in game two, including being in the box for the, the overtime winner. So, you know, he's on best behavior for the first part of the game. He has a couple of assists. It's a 2-1 game, late stages of the second period, high stakes here. Uh, you know, you don't want to give Calgary any opportunity. and. Yet, after the whistle, in the neutral zone, everybody in the building watching, including both referees, 
and Hoaglander just whacks one of the Wrangler guys across the back of the leg. So it's like a two-hander, and he got his money's worth. Like, it was a penalty all day, every day. But again, in a 2-1 game late in the second period, coming off a night where your discipline has just been called into question, and yeah, you want to see him play tough and, and you know, not take crap from anybody, but wrong place, wrong time. And so, yeah, it gets a penalty. And Calgary goes to the power play. Now, they didn't score, so credit to the Abbey penalty killers. And special teams have been a big part of the story uh, of this series so far. But then the other part of this story is that Hoaglander steps out of the penalty box, goes immediately to the front of the Calgary net, and on his way there, draws a penalty. (laughs) And so that puts Abbotsford up on the power play late in the second period. And then as they worked on the power play, Linus Carlson got roughed up in front of the net. And all of a sudden, it became a two-man advantage. And on the five-on-three, Jack Rathbone hit both the post and the crossbar in about a five-second span. Like, he got a shot away and hit the post. Puck came back to him, let another shot go. This time, it hit the crossbar. A lot of people in the building thought he had scored. And they stopped play. The referees all huddled up. They talked about it. Uh, They showed an overhead view on the Jumbotron. And it clearly hit the crossbar. It didn't ever go in. But uh, still, they you know, it would have been an incredible opportunity. At five, it was a 2-1 game, 5-on-3, late in the second. And they didn't catch in. And a lot of times that can come back to bite you. But uh, Abby was able to extend the lead early in the third period. And, and at 3-1, to one, uh, you know, they gave up one. But uh, that's all they gave up. So they ended up winning the hockey game. Uh, but yeah, I didn't think like Hoaglander, you know, I wanted to see him uh, a little bit more involved, a little bit more with the puck. But... Yeah, they, they got the job done. Uh, there's another game, another night for him to to step up. As good as he was against Bakersfield, by all accounts, you know, this hasn't been a terrific series for him so far. But, you know, they're they're in it, and uh, they have another opportunity on, on Friday night. Sounds like more of the same for Hoaglander, really, <laughs> from what we've seen. Yeah, the, the work rate is there. <laughs> like, it, you're drawn to him because uh, it just things are happening when he's on the ice. But, uh, unfortunately... You know, they're not all good things, at least in this series, but... Uh, Where are these uh, penalties coming from? 16 minutes in five games. I know. And is it seven penalties, I think, now in this series alone? I think it was two in the opener, four, and then uh, the slash last night. So, yeah, I mean, he's he knows that he's going to be a target of the Calgary or whoever they play. Yeah, I mean, he is one of the best players on this Abbotsford team, but, you know, you got to pick your spots. You have to show better discipline than he has to this point. Didn't hurt him last night, but, uh, you know, on Friday night, again, you'd like to see him more of a factor with the puck. But as I said, he, fi- he figures in two of the three goals. So I can't say that he, you know, didn't leave a, a mark yeah. on the hockey game. But uh, it's just after every whistle, Calgary in his face, you know, try. I think they recognize that, you know, he's a little bit on edge right now and, and, so I think uh, it's probably a wise game plan for for the Wranglers just to to stay on him and see if uh, he'll continue uh, to take these trips to the penalty box. Hoaglander and Rao are leading the team in scoring through five games. They both got five points each. Cole Lind is leading the uh, playoffs right now for Couch and Valley with 10 points, uh, leading all uh, AHL skaters in points. You mentioned the name Archdeep Baines there. What do you want to get off your chest with him? Yeah, really impressed. Just, uh, I think for me, the biggest takeaway from the night was chips are down, minute, minute and a half to go in a one-goal hockey game in the playoffs facing elimination. And here's this first-year pro, and he's out there. Like, the coach has that much trust in Archdeep Baines to, you know, be one of the guys that's out there in lockdown mode and, and got the job done. And Jeremy Collett pointed to a play along the boards. The play on the wall that Baines made. 
uh, last two minutes like some guys the moment's too big for him and they throw it away or whatever and, and he didn't he just protected it held it made a play and that's you know wins you 30 seconds so uh when when guys are learning to you know perform in those um situations it's uh, huge uh, i love that i love the trust that uh, is clearly there uh, again uh you know th- there's enough offense like he made a couple of crafty plays a nice setup to hoaglander uh in the first period and so uh and doesn't shy away like uh you know there are scrums it's so funny i guess you know, we haven't seen the Vancouver Canucks play significant, meaningful hockey games in so long that in the NHL, the scrum has kind of disappeared. And that's probably a good thing. But at the AHL level and in the playoffs, no, oh, the scrum's back. It's back in, in, in a big way after every whistle. But Archie Baines, you know, gets his nose in there, doesn't shy away, was uh, among the battlers uh, throughout the night. So, uh, again, it wasn't a flashy night. You look up and down the score sheet, you're not going to find his name. And yet I thought, uh, you know, for a guy that's still finding his way as a professional, and it's it's funny just talking to people around the rink, cocky people uh, last night, like I talked to a couple of people that that are convinced that Archie Baines will play games for the Vancouver Canucks. Wow. Maybe not next year, but they just see enough of a, a player there that's going to, you know, he, he just won't take no for an answer and he's going to work his way uh, to the National Hockey League. And, and, you know, I, again, I can't say that I've seen his entire body of work this season, but it started well at Young Stars. It carried on, didn't look out of place at main camp and the NHL preseason and those. You know, I, and so now he's got a full first year of pro experience under his belt. And uh, by all accounts, uh, reviews have been very positive. And and again, so you can like you know, you can look at the stat sheet and look at the guy's uh, individual production, but so often it's a coach's usage that really tells you a story about a player. And for Baines to be one of the guys out there late in the game, protecting the lead in the playoffs, I think that says an awful lot about uh, where his game is. Well, that's good to know. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, what, he led the WHL in scoring, right? So this yep. is, he's got some pedigree, and I know some people are excited about him, local product too. Uh, by the way, Colin doesn't play for the Cowichan Valley. I thought that's what you said, I, but I, I wasn't going to correct yeah. you, but okay. Coachella Valley. Yeah. They have a, a big party there recently. They do. Yeah. Cole has uh, graduated, yeah. uh, didn't ever touch the BC Hockey League, but uh, yeah. did play in BC in Kelowna. Um, but Cowichan didn't make the playoffs this year in the BCHL as well. So there you go. I uh, I fumbled that one. Yeah. Uh, a couple other guys that I just want to touch on briefly. Uh, I said Linus Carlson uh, scored in the power play. He was one of Abbotsford's, uh, I think he was their leading goal scorer. Uh, in the regular season and had been kind of quiet to this point, but a uh, nice deflection midway through the first period. And that's what I noticed about Linus Carlson all night is like, he's got the size and they use him as the net front guy takes a beating in front of the net, but uh, certainly didn't back off and uh, scored a nice deflection goal. Uh, and there were a couple of other opportunities as well, where, you know, he just plants himself and gets in the battles and stayed in the battle and drew the penalty that I talked about uh, that put them on the five on three. So, Again, it wasn't a flashy night for him, but, you know, you're just kind of looking at how does the guy play when the uh, the heat is on. And I thought Linus Carlson absolutely dug in and, and was part of the battle last night. Like, I, I thought uh, it was a good night for him, and uh, they're going to need more from him. If they're going to get past Calgary, you know, this can't be. That was his first goal of these playoffs, I would say, if they're going to pull off the upset. 
Uh, a guy like Carlson is going to have to continue to provide more offense for this Abbotsford Hockey Club. But uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, low-key, but I thought uh, a pretty good night. 24 goals in the regular season yeah. for Linus Carlson, 49 points, and he'll be 24 in November. So still still getting there, but it's, uh, the time is almost now for Linus Carlson if he's going to make that jump to the National Hockey League. Uh, let's make the jump to the NHL Draft Lottery Simulator. It's Thursday. It's my day to do it. You get the final day tomorrow to recap how we've done so far throughout the week. Monday, you had Washington in first, winning the draft lottery, Vancouver at 11th. Tuesday, I got Columbus at first, Vancouver at 11th. And then yesterday, San Jose at first and Vancouver at 11th. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's, with one spin for, only. Yeah, we're still waiting for Anaheim. Anaheim's got the best odds. And, yeah. you know, probability would tell you if we do this five times, that Anaheim will win it once. They've got 18.5% is uh, the best odds. So around 20%, one in five. Uh, you would think that Anaheim will right. come up. Uh, maybe it's today. Maybe it'll go down to the wire. We'll see. Maybe it won't happen at all. That's a, that's a lottery. But uh, all right. Uh, let's see what the lottery balls have to say. Uh, all right, as we spin the wheel, we have, oh, oh, my goodness. They didn't get first, but they got second. They moved up nine spots. The Vancouver Canucks will pick second overall. The San Jose Sharks move Ooh. up three spots. They get the first overall pick. Anaheim falls back two spots. They have the third overall pick. Wow, so San Jose division going big in this uh in this draft, that, the, the division is going to bulk up. The Canucks getting second with that Adam Fantilli is, yeah, uh, supposed to go second overall. So there you have it, Canuck fans. That would be all right. Yeah, but still, you're right. Anaheim's got one more day really to land on it. So you can see, you know, where the odds could lie here, Canuck fans. There, there's a little bit of hope. Three elevens and now one second for the Canucks. So course on monday the uh, draft lottery will go down and perhaps somebody will draft a person that will win this award as the calder uh award was the nominees were announced with maddie Beneers from seattle Stuart skinner in edmonton and owen power in buffalo the finalists for the award jpat and i don't know i mean i i think you probably feel this way as well it looks like it's Beneers to win but that's three worthy candidates. Like those are three good-looking players. Uh, Stuart Skinner, of course, stealing the net from Jack Campbell, who's now one of the highest-paid backups in the league. Yeah, I think the thing that jumped out to me was uh, one of every position, and you don't see that every year yeah. uh, in any of the uh, uh, awards. I mean, obviously, you're not going to have a goaltender uh, in the you know, some of the uh, the finalists. But uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that you've got a forward in veneers, you got uh, a defenseman in own power. And then you've got Stuart Skinner. And if people just look on the numbers, oh, and power, you know, maybe it doesn't jump out at you. And then a sec, you, you stop yourself and you think, hang on a sec. This is a teenage defender in the National Hockey League that put up 35 points on a Buffalo team that didn't make the playoffs, but they did score a lot of goals. But still, to have Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin, two first overall selections as your linchpins on the back end. I mean, at some point, the Sabres are going to get this thing sorted out. And if they get good, I mean, those guys are going to be a huge part. So, you know, I, I'm glad that the voters, uh, and again, I, I think we're at a point in time, there's so much more information available uh, to quantify the success of defenders. It's not just goals and assists. It's the underlying numbers that are out there in the public sphere. And so people, it would have been easy to look at Matty Veneers and, you know, was there a guy, we always get to snubs, you know, Mateus Michelli, I suppose, in Arizona, 
Uh, had himself a 50-point rookie season, was uh, the leader among uh, rookies in assists. He's a hell of a player that nobody really talks about. Um, you know, could he have been a finalist? Yeah, probably. But uh, I have no issues with the three uh, that were selected. And we'll see how it all shakes down when the uh, awards are handed out in Nashville ahead of the draft. They've got the awards and the draft in the same city. Like that makes some sense. Logistically, you've got uh, so many of the hockey world uh, on hand there in Music City in uh, late June. So uh, that's when we'll get our answers about uh, who. And the other thing about, uh, you know, not just that the awards are handed out, but the professional hockey writers, they release their ballots. And so we get a better sense of who voted for whom and, you know, ultimately uh, what were the final tallies of uh, the votes in all of these major awards. So I always like to look at uh, that. And, you know, again, if you're the Vancouver Canucks, this is not one where you felt snubbed. Nils Amon with his uh, 16 points. Uh, he was the highest scoring rookie. In fact, again, on a, you know, on a team that's missed the playoffs for so long, uh, you would have thought that maybe there was an opportunity for more rookies, but most of the guys that they've drafted high have gone, you know, directly into the team and have been there for a while now. Uh, but when it comes to rookie scoring, I was just looking at that. Amon led the way, and then this massive drop-off, Guillaume Brisebois, still considered a rookie. Still considered a rookie. I know. <laughs> he and Akito Hiroshi with three points. They were the second-highest-scoring rookies on the Vancouver Canucks this season. Of course, the Canucks have had two winners of the uh, uh, Calder in Patterson and Bure. I'm very intrigued by Owen Power. I mean, he's such a big kid and he's literally still a kid. He doesn't yeah. turn 21 until November. Six, listed at 6'6", 218. Average just under 24 minutes of ice time. Had an individual Corsi close to 52%. Like, yeah. you know, he's playing heavy minutes, heavy matchups as well. And he's just going to be one of those guys. Like, again, Owen Power, what did he have? 35 points in his rookie season. I think that's probably roughly like the kind of player he's going to be. Let's say he tops out somewhere around 50 or so. But that's not really what you're paying him for. You know, is he he's just a defensive you know, wizard really. And the kid is just going to be, he's going to be a menace. He's going to be like a Chris Pronger type uh, out there for Buffalo as well. And then as you mentioned with uh, Erasmus there too, the uh, Darlene, they are just going to be an absolute menace on the blue line for Buffalo. Applewood auto group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. We told you this yesterday, but a reminder too, you can always send in Ask JPAT 778-402-9680. That's the Go Goat Sports inbox or hit us up at rinkwide van. Just use the hashtag Ask JPAT. I dug for this one through the Go Goat Sports inbox, and it comes from Matt in Toronto, who's a regular submitter as well. And it's funny too, because you mentioned Noah Juleson. So I thought maybe this would be 
uh, good to ask you today. Now, just taking a look at the Canucks salary cap, J-Pat, we know they don't have a lot to work with. In fact, they've got $182,000 allocated right now in cap space for next season. So you uh, figure there's going to have to be some movement there. But of course, there's probably going to have to be some guys that are going to have to, you know, play on, you know, their contracts, their minimum contracts, whatever they are. So Matt asks, who would you put with Hughes Burroughs at a league minimum, and of course that would be a re-sign because he's a UFA. Juleson at a league minimum. And then he says Luke Shen at one and a half or two. Now that might be a little rich at two for Luke Shen, but the way he's playing right now with the Toronto Maple Leafs, you got to figure that he's probably going to have something that starts with one there in terms of million, right? So out of those three guys, do you think any of those guys would be worthy of playing with Quinn Hughes next year? And not only that, would you be comfortable with that? Yeah, you know, with all due respect to all three of those guys, and I get the cap situation the Canucks are in. Uh, They just don't have the flexibility. But, like, Quinn Hughes is right there, like, just this rocket, ready to launch. I mean, he already has launched, but I mean, to get into like the super stratosphere, if he had the right partner and the Devontae's that's allowed Kale McCarr to do his thing. And so I don't see a Devontae's in any of those guys that you just listed. And that's the, that's the frustrating part is cap allocation, the previous regime, and then this group coming in and spending its money, you know, in some questionable ways as well. Uh, Quinn Hughes is incredible, but like you just wonder, like how much more is there if he had the right kind of partner? And instead, it's a bit of a patchwork. And I say that with all due respect to these guys that are trying to carve out their spots in the National Hockey League. Uh, I've said it before; I'll say it again. Nothing but love and respect for Luke Shen, but I just I, I been there, done that twice now. I I'm. And I got a lot of pushback the other day because uh, Carson Price asked me the same question. And I, I just said, like, I just want this group to move forward rather than back to the past. And uh, I like a lot of what Luke Shen brings and this team needs toughness and all that kind of stuff. But I just, you know, and, and they, they can't afford term. And I think, you know, he may be able to, uh, you know, command a couple of years yeah. on a contract here. Um, so is Juleson going to be in the mix for like a, like at least a depth spot? Like, is he in the, I think so. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. And I I think he acquitted himself reasonably well when he was up. And again, like, uh, if last night's any indication at the AHL level, like if you bring that game and just uh, in your face and, you know, finish every single check, but do it cleanly. Um, like, yeah, I think he could play, but you know, does he make the Vancouver Canucks a whole lot better? Probably not. Like, you know, that's the thing is, you know, we can talk about the Canucks and their salary cap situation and all that kind of stuff, but we also want to talk about this team getting better. And it's not just about spinning your wheels. And unfortunately, you know, a year from now when Tyler Myers' contract is off the books, unless they're able to trade it, uh, Tanner Pearson's contract will be up. Um, you know, but then Patterson needs his contract and Philip Ronick's going to need a new deal. And so it's easy to look at cap friendly and say, oh, well, some of those contracts come up. No, you're just sliding that money to guys that are already on the roster. That's the issue. Like they're not creating any sort of cap flexibility. And uh, we know that uh, teams that in the offseason that have that flexibility are able to pounce on uh, the Oliver Bjorkstrands of the world. And, uh, you know, the Canucks just aren't in that position at all. So uh, I'm getting away from the original question about a uh, partner for Hughes. Uh, you know, Ethan Bear's name didn't come up. We've seen Ethan Bear play with Quinn Hughes as well. Uh, that right side's a, a bit of a mystery, just because I don't know where Tyler Myers falls in all of this in terms of the Canucks' plans for him next season. 
Uh, we do know that uh, they'll have big plans for Philip Ronick. I assume that Ethan Bear is going to get a deal done. Then you got Tyler Myers. And, you know, if Myers isn't back, then there's going to be a, a, an open spot in the top six. And perhaps that is where a Noah Juleson could work his way into the conversation. Uh, and then, you know, I didn't even touch on Kyle Burroughs. I, I wonder, as much as Burroughs loved it in Vancouver and hometown guy and getting a chance, you know, he talked about uh, sort of taking a, a moment there in that final game, putting on a Canuck jersey. That sort of told me that he may shop himself around a little bit to see if there's not a, you know, an opportunity to play more than he got. I mean, he was very much a part-time guy here for the Vancouver Canucks this past season. And I loved how game he was and willing to stick up for teammates and, you know, fighting even in game 82 against big Josh Brown, like, you know, didn't pick his spots. He answered the bell, but he's a hockey player. He wants to play. And I don't think he wants to be a part-time guy and a right shot defenseman like there's a it's a premium position and he's a commodity i just reading between the lines of what he said at that locker cleanout day it kind of felt like maybe he recognized that as much as a hometown guy wants to play for the vancouver canucks that you know he's had that chance but uh, he may have to go elsewhere yeah it's it, tyler myers really is intriguing in terms of if the canucks can move off the player but we've we've unpacked all of it and why yeah. it's going to take a while, even if they were to be able to do it. And just with that signing bonus hanging in the balance, like it's, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. At least it's not going to happen until September if it were to happen uh, at all. But now I'm wondering too, like, as I think about the question, like Ethan bear, we saw him play with uh, Quinn Hughes and it's fine. Yeah. Do you want Heronic playing with Hughes? Probably not. You probably want to stretch that out a bit. So really is outside of three C is finding Quinn Hughes, you know, a legit partner at a, you know, good price, really, you know, the second big key that they need in the offseason. Well, I suppose it depends how you prioritize things. A uh, backup goaltending position, you know, that's up in the air as well. But it looks like the candidates are the ones we know and they're in-house. Um just the idea of sort of finding a discount partner for Quinn Hughes. I just, I don't like to use discount in the same sentence as Quinn Hughes. Cause I, I just think as good as he is, he could be that much more. And that McKay, McCarr Taves pairing is the perfect example. Like it really is like Kale McCarr would be an incredible player on his own, but just getting him a guy like Devon Taves who can, you know, be the steadying force there. Let McCarr, maximize his gifts i would love to see quinn hughes have that same kind of partner and so what a uh, fleecing that was as well i know but again colorado had the assets yeah. and they had the yep. uh, cap space to take him on and um I, I think that's the bigger thing is like you know the canucks salary cap structure and we just kind of went over it briefly but like i, I just wonder like how many more summers is it going to be before the canucks are in a position that they've got their fiscal house in such order that they can then get out there and attack free agency and attack other teams that are up against it. It just kind of feels like, you know, it's not going to happen this year. And then when Pedersen gets his new deal and Aronik's got a new deal, like I'm not sure that they're going to be in much of a position to do that a year from now. And, and that's the frustration is like, at what point do you get out of this cycle of these bloated contracts? But We've been asking that question for a while now, and I'm not sure that we're any closer to an answer. Yeah, I mean, if you look two years ahead from now, just uh, according to Cap Friendly, and this is just with projections of salary cap as well, they'd have about 33 million. <laughs> but I mean, that's and this is in the, going into the 24-25 season. 
but that's without, you know, Patterson's contract on there. That's without Heronix contract on there. Then there's some other guys that are, are, are not, you know, wouldn't, you know, like Beauvillier would be a UFA. So you'd have to fill that. Like there's, yeah, again, there's, you're right. It's an arc. It's going to be a while, put it that way. And you just look at that big anchor contract of OELs and how long it sits on these books. And yep. You just wonder, boy, why did they have to make that trade? The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Frank Wide Vancouver is presented by Bodog Sports Odds, Poker Tips, and Free Casino Games. It's time to play. Time for a little playoff talk, Jay Pat. I know you were watching some uh, Abbotsford playoffs last night while I was watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. And boy, did we get a good one between the Oilers and the Golden Knights 6 4. Vegas, and I'll I'll be honest with you, Jay Pat. When they cut the uh, lead to one, the Oilers, I jumped on the money line. It was like four to one odds. I'm like, yep, Oilers are coming back here. They're going to win this game, and of course they didn't. But sign me up for six more of those because that was fantastic hockey uh, between the Golden Knights and the Oilers. And that Oilers power play continues to roll. However, every time the Oilers countered with a goal, it just seemed like the Golden Knights were right there. Um, I know you and I sort of talked about how the Golden Knights, you just didn't really see it, starting to see it now here in the playoffs. Yeah, full disclosure, I did not see a second of NHL playoff action last night. I saw the license plate of the car in front of me uh, for a better part of three hours uh, on my way out to Abbey. But I've seen highlights, and I I just... Dreisaitl does so many good things, but the finesse on the one goal off the the back of Wausau, uh, just to have the presence of mind to pull that, or to you know think about it and then to pull it off uh, in the playoffs, uh, incredible stuff. So uh, wild to get four goal nights from two guys on consecutive nights, and both of them come up, uh, or the teams come up a goal short. But uh, yeah, I like look. Jack Eichel seems to be taking this playoff hockey thing, uh, you know, and and. Nobody like when he's a healthy player, he's a hell of a player. He's a second overall pick for a reason. He wasn't a consolation prize. Um, you know, and Buffalo obviously made the deal and it's worked out okay for Buffalo, but to get Jack Eichel to a place where he's on a good team and playing playoff hockey and looks like he's up to the challenge. So, um, yeah, I mean, Vegas spreads uh, their offense around and then they've got the, the big defense that we've talked about before. Uh, they give up four, but uh, they have enough firepower to score six and and win the hockey game. So great start for them. The Oilers lost the first game, much as Dallas lost the first game to Minnesota. Oilers lost the first game to uh, L.A. in the first round, and they were okay. I'm 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 not too worried about the yeah. Oilers. Uh, obviously, you got to have more than one guy scoring uh, on a given night, but. Uh, They'll sort it out. They'll get things uh, figured. Weird the way the scheduling works now that they're off until Saturday. So uh, an extra day off, you know, the series just gets started. And now they're kind of, you know, holding pattern until Saturday. But uh, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, Weird that, and I don't know what all goes into it, but there's no Leaf game on Saturday, which is uh, interesting to me in and of itself. But you've got that slot on Hockey Night in Canada, 4 o'clock Pacific, the 7 o'clock primetime in the East. I thought for sure that, Hockey Night would pull some strings to get Vegas and Edmonton into the early slot, uh, but no. So 
we don't have a, an early game on Saturday afternoon, which is, uh, I know the Kentucky Derby's on, and when NBC used to be a rights holder, they would work around the Kentucky Derby, but uh, they're not with NBC anymore. The NHL isn't, and besides, the Kentucky Derby is two minutes. Like, you can't schedule, you know, your fastest two minutes in sports or most exciting two minutes in sports, and sure, but it's two minutes, and um so yeah, I, I, know. I know why they were they they wanted to get around the NBA. You, I'm looking at the NBA's playoff schedule right now. The Knicks and Heat play at 12:30, and Golden State and LA play at 5:30. So probably just wanted to stay right away from that, and which is Maybe. you know, but at the same time too, like it's Connor McDavid and you know the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, you know, put them on in prime time, like 10 o'clock out east. It's I don't know. Just I I, I question how many eyeballs you're losing by going that late right. out east. Carolina opens up the uh, series against the Devils with a 5-1 victory as well. I'm not worried about the Devils in this one. Uh, I, like they, they didn't show up. Carolina was all over them. Carolina is just, a, just a, such a well-structured team. And they got spread out goal scoring as well. Five different goal scores in the game. But, you know, right when we were ready to sort of write off the Devils after uh, two games against the Rangers, we saw what they were able to do. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, in this one, but two really fast teams, as we uh, sort of talked about yesterday. Yeah, and I just I wonder uh, the Schmidt hit the fan, if you will, and uh, oh, Lindy wow. Ruff gets the hook out. I love that. So, I, like you know, it has clock the clock struck midnight for Akira Schmidt. Is this now Vanacek's net moving forward for the foreseeable? Like I, I, Jersey's got a goaltending decision to make. So uh, I I give it to the kid. Like I I, yeah. I I say that he keeps going. He looked good early on. Yep. It's just that there it was just wave after wave with with Carolina last night. Like I don't know what it was with New Jersey. They just they didn't show up really. They just weren't there. But yeah, I mean, well, again, like I said, we'll we'll see what this Devils team, young team. Yeah, it feels like that, they're playing with house money anyway. Like uh, on the opening night of round two, the two teams that went seven in the first round, Florida and Seattle, you know, they were able to pick up where they left off, feed yeah. off the game seven. Jersey, it kind of felt like there was a letdown. Um Carolina lying in wait and Carolina, but again, like maybe we're just not giving Carolina its due, right? Like I, I think people, yeah. uh, they saw what Jersey did, the way they did it to the Rangers. Uh, I think a lot of people are kind of jumping on the devil's bandwagon and there was old Carolina just kind of quietly lurking in the weeds. And as you said, I mean, they just play Rod Brindamore's system so well and stick to it. And, Again, they've got that terrific defense core as well. It's funny. I mean, their defense, I think, led the NHL in goals in the regular season, only scored one in six games against the uh, Islanders. So they were probably overdue. And so Brent Pesci opens the scoring. Brady Shea gets a goal for, you know, I mean, what a luxury to have. Just having, you know, if your forwards aren't getting it done, or even if you're getting contributions from the forwards, if you can get uh, defensemen chipping in as well, just that another layer of offense uh, at this time of year. So, that's part of Carolina's game plan. It's in their DNA, and they were able to execute last night. So let's see how Jersey responds. Uh, for my Bodog best bet, I am looking at the Leafs and Panthers tonight, and I've got one guy circled because I like the odds on this. i got anytime goal scorer Ryan O'Reilly at plus 190. He's got two goals in the postseason uh, so far, but he's gone four without a goal. He hasn't scored since game four against Tampa Bay, but uh, I thought the Leafs were buzzing. 
in that game one, they uh, got a little bit goalied by uh, Sir Bobrovsky, and we'll see what Bobrovsky shows up because we know he can be hot and cold. But I feel like Ryan O'Reilly is going to find the back of the net tonight and almost two to one on the money. So I like that. Uh, and then I won last night as well, J-Pat, as I had the Abbey Canucks on the money line at minus 115. So I was able to uh, get myself my second victory of this offseason or playoff edition of the podcast here. But looking at Ryan O'Reilly, anytime goal scorer tonight. Do you like the Leafs uh, to even up the series tonight? Oh, I just thought you were going to end the question, do I like the Leafs? Um, and I think the answer uh, is a resounding no. Uh, do I like them to bounce back? Yeah, but uh, like it's playoff hockey. And uh, I mean, I just, what does Matthew Kachuk have in store tonight? I guess sure. is the storyline. Like, yeah. I just. Um, is there a better so, player in these playoffs right now? It's him and Dreisaitl, right? Like, they are it, yeah, running I, the ship. I, yeah, I mean, there are other guys that are doing their thing, but I would say, yes, those two are at the the top of the early con Smythe, uh, and got to go further than the second round, obviously. But uh, yeah, they've both uh, stepped up in a big way. And so, um, you know, if you're Florida, a little bit of house money, just that you got the split at the very least, but a chance to really back Toronto into a corner. Toronto doesn't want to be backed into a corner, so I would think that uh, you'll see some fight from the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. And uh, yeah, let's see where it goes from here. What about Kraken uh, Stars? What do you think tonight? Evened up? Uh, I, I want to say yes, that Dallas is going to get it uh, together and somebody else other than Joe Pavelski will score for them. But <laughs> I know that Seattle is going to continue to spread its offense. Yeah. And I've kind of learned to bet against the Kraken at this stage of the proceedings. But um, yeah, Dallas is still a, a really well-built hockey club and better than... Um, yeah, I think better than they showed the other night. Jake Ottinger, a little bit of bounce back for him. He doesn't want to let uh, Seattle pump five more past him, obviously. So uh, we'll see if he steps up and, and takes his game to the level that it was for most of the first round. Uh, I think Dallas will get it done. But, man, what a story that would be if Seattle comes on home. Right. Uh, you know, th- their fans haven't seen them since a game six at home against Colorado that they lost. And then since then, go to Denver, win a game seven, go to Dallas, and imagine if they can take the first two out of Big D, uh, that would be something else. So uh, real opportunity for Seattle, certainly, but uh, I kind of like Dallas to to get it done and to even that thing up tonight. Yeah, so many good storylines in the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs so far, and Seattle uh, definitely one of those. All right, this has been another edition of the Rink-Wide Vancouver Podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rink-Wide is the show that always supports you.